Okay, beauties, welcome back to another episode of The, the Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because if we thought it all made sense, then we'd probably be the king and queen of the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Because then we'd have all the answers and everyone would just come to us and be like, please tell us what's the truth. And we'd be like, here's the truth. Right. And for 10 easy installments of 1999, you too can have the truth. Oh man, if only it were that easy. Yeah, if we were on spiritual QVC. Or you mean if it were only that easy to attain. <laughs> that was more what I was speaking to. But also, well, if only we could just sell our wares on QVC. I mean, RuPaul's doing it now. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? The thing about truth, particularly spiritual truths, mm -hmm. is that you only receive the highest truth that you're available to receive at the time. Oh, go on. So like, it never ends. Like what's true for you now is what needs to be true for you now. It's the highest level of truth that you can receive and put into practice. Yeah, it's like playing a video game and you're like unlocking like levels. gates. Yeah, yeah levels. totally. So that's why we can't just sell spiritual truth for 1999. Because it keeps evolving. Yeah, and it's different for everyone. And life is just this never-ending, continuing education. Yeah, on your own singular path. Because, girl, let me tell you, once you think you get it, all of a sudden, Spirit's like, girl, that's just the beginning. Yeah, I know, right? That's I know. fascinating. And sometimes frustrating. And sometimes super fun. And sometimes really invigorating. Uh, but that's why we're doing this show, because we love to have these conversations about all these things that are frustrating and invigorating and fun. And we hope you enjoy listening into these conversations, because <laughs> that's why we do it. Yes. Uh, and who we are exactly, if this is your first time listening? Uh, yes. I'm Brandon Alter. I am a healer, and I'm also a teacher of tarot and other spiritual and shamanic skills. I'm also a writer and a performer. And I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a film producer and an astrologer and healer. Yes, queen, own yourself. I am owning every piece of myself. And we're married. We are married. We'll be celebrating our three-year wedding anniversary in November. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, our marriage is a Scorpio. It is. The spiritual gaze is a Gemini. Well, that's why she's so chatty. You're an Aries. I am. And I'm an Aquarius. So we don't have all of it covered. But we got a lot of it. Close. <laughs> no Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that's what our, your cap moon is for. Yeah, my Taurus rising. Yeah, we got some Earth. Yeah, there's a reflection. I at least appear grounded. That's true. You really had me fooled those first six months that we were dating. Girl, it's what's gotten me through half my life. Well, stop fooling people. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a crazy, spinning out of control Aries beneath this very grounded demeanor. <sighs> Should we check in? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you start? Sure. Share your soul. <laughs> oh. Share my soul. I don't know if y'all really want to see that, but... Come on, they do. The gazers want to see the truth. That's true. I am doing pretty well, though, I'd say. Yeah, I'm... considering the circumstances. Yeah, there's so much transformation going on right now. It's crazy. And I was feeling really overwhelmed by everything I have going on. I have transitions around career. I have transitions in our home right now because we have to move soon. Yeah, we have to move in like a month. Yeah, and all of these things really 
affect me at a, at a deep way. I mean, obviously would affect anyone, but I can easily get anxious around this stuff and I'm trying not to. I'm, I know to give over and have faith and trust in the process. That's the spirit self of me that steps forth and says, this is all for your greater good. But the anxious mind still very easily gets caught up in the fear and what's next and how's this going to work. And I'm just trying to feel all of those things. I'm trying to feel it, not give over to it, not be owned by it, but allow the process. So it was nice. I was able to say to you, like, I just need a little bit of a, like, sensitive touch around this, which you were willing and so lovingly gave to me. And yeah, that's, uh, I guess, somewhat where I'm at like in the muck of change, but working really hard to just give over. Brandon and I, uh, every night, I think we've mentioned before, say this prosperity prayer together, which I think is the cutest thing <laughs> that we do. It is sweet. It's very sweet that we just do that together in bed before we turn off the lights and go to sleep. But I think it has really affected me in such a profound way. I find myself through the day going back to lines from it when I need to. And even more and more in the past week or so. So it's good. I am really just trying to give over to flow, which makes me feel good. I feel good about that process. But like I said, on the, on the mental level, it's still a little, oh God, help. <laughs> so that's the big picture of Angel Lopez right now. That's very big. Yeah, yeah, but it's good. I'm, I am excited. Somebody told me that you know, excitement and nerve and ner nervousness. It was Ann Orderly who said, mm. anxiety and excitement feel the same in the body. Yeah. So I'm really just trying to choose to perceive it all as excitement. So. And it is exciting. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna be in a whole new place, literally. Yeah, the spirit room is gonna be a whole new spirit room. Except we just don't know where that place is. <laughs> but it's gonna show up. It's gonna just show the up. Way, just like this place showed up. That's true. It did right at the yeah. last minute. Yeah. So it's all good, but hold some prayers for us, y'all. How's you? So I'm going through everything you're going through. Definitely leaning into surrender, offering up all my anxiety and all my worries like a hundred times a day, which is the only thing you can do. Um, that's like part of the third step in the program, which I'm working because I now work the program. So the third step is all about like offering everything up. Like it's not my problem. It's the divine's problem. Like it's not my anxiety. It's the divine's anxiety. I just like keep giving it over, which is beautiful. And sometimes I really feel it and it works. And sometimes I'm like, ah, eh, this isn't working, but it's a practice, you know? And I'm also recognizing how uncomfortable I become when I'm in that liminal space between what I know needs to change, but the change hasn't happened yet. And I noticed that, of course, like in this move, I'm like, I know we need to move, but I don't know where we're moving to. Or I know we need to make more money, but I don't know how we're going to make more money. And I know I need to change these certain limiting beliefs or these ancestral patterns or these unhealthy energy habits, but I haven't gotten to the new structure yet. And I'm in this in-between space which is part of the necessary process. You can't just jump from what's broken to what's fixed. There's a process of fixing and rebuilding and knitting together that I just like want to happen in the blink of an eye so that I can just be comfortable in the new foundation. But that's just not how life works. So I am taking a lot of deep breaths. And mm -hmm. honestly, 
I am recommitting to a exhaustive and thorough morning ritual and trying to find God in every moment and be connected to the divine. And I'm reading this really beautiful book right now, which is called The Hebrew Book of the Dead, which is essentially this very esoteric and slightly left-of-center interpretation of certain passages from the first five books of the Torah. And it's basically looking at, metaphorically, the journey of the soul from the realm of here to the realm of the angels and then back here again, like a cleansing of the soul metaphorically. Mm. And, you know, there's like the Tibetan Book of the Dead and there's the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So this is the Hebrew Book of the Dead. And one of the things in it that has really affected me is just the idea that the divine is closer to us than our own breath. But we have to get quiet or still enough or observant enough to be in touch with it. And the world of form is always like crying out for our attention. And it's not going to be there. I mean, yes, of course, like it's in a sunset, it's in a walk in the woods. But Mm -hmm. I would argue that like when you look at the sunset is actually when you get still enough and quiet enough to feel the God in you. Mm-hmm. And when you walk in the woods, of course, you're seeing the majesty of the sun coming through the leaves or the babbling brook, but that's also reconnecting you to your own inherent sovereignty and divinity, feeling that kind of breath of God within yourself. Mm. And so that's where I'm trying to be. So you're just thinking, having some light thoughts. Honey, <laughs> it's always light over here in Aquarius town. Uh, I mean, look, I feel like anyone who's out there living a spirit-based life is always on some level consumed with these kinds of thoughts. And especially right now, because even like astrologically, you know, we're all like built, like tearing down old structures in order to build new ones that are going to help lay foundation for the next major chapter of our lives. So I feel like everyone right now is feeling this, is feeling this pressure, you know, to rip some old shit down And how do I establish? So even I think you having this like new (laughs) exhaustive morning routine, I mean, that's like you're doing what you can to lay like heavy foundation for yourself. Girl, it feels like I've got like a construction hat on and like I am just like laying pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I laid some pipe earlier this weekend. Okay. Nope. That was not the metaphor. I was, (laughs) I laid some cement. I laid... Sorry, we have, young, we have young listeners. Do we? But no, I'm totally feeling you. I mean, we're definitely, obviously, we live together. We we vibe on the same page. Yeah. But I feel like everyone out there listening, I'm sure on some level you relate to some of this heaviness. So I would say it would be really great for you just as like a little tool is to really celebrate what you do accomplish every day, even if it's something small. You should find moments for yourself before you go to bed to pat yourself on the back and congratulate yourself for what you're doing, what old ways of being you're releasing, old relationships, old communication patterns, and how you're putting new ones into place. And just even the little moments, even if you pick up that phone call that you normally wouldn't pick up because you don't want to deal with the confrontation or what have you, just like little moments of you know what? I did I did good. I'm trying. I'm trying. So make sure you're celebrating all of those things. So we are going to transition into a little segment that we do every once in a while, which is 
uh, where we answer some questions that y'all have about spiritual things. So let's open up the Spiritual Gaze Mailbag. Dreamstress asked, do y'all have a personal favorite tarot card? If so, what is it? I thought that was a cute question. Hey, Dreamstress. What up, sis? <laughs> uh, oh, Honestly, I have a few, I'd say. But if I had to pick one... I mean, it's kind of an obvious answer, but I'm going to go with the emperor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is the Aries archetype. And I guess I get the most excited when I pull the emperor because I feel like in tune with that like most badass version of me. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, I'm on my throne today. I love that. Yeah. So I love me some emperor vibes. You? I think the moon is my favorite card. Which I know some people might be like, what? Because the moon has a reputation for being about shadow and strangeness and sometimes like addiction and the uncomfortableness of what we don't understand. It's connected to Pisces. But I think the moon is really about otherness and queerness is really how I connect to the moon card. And I don't necessarily mean queer in terms of like homosexuality, although I, I also mean that. But I mean, just like when you are looking at something through moonlight, you are looking at what isn't always seen. You're looking at the reflection. You're looking at what's only available at nighttime. Right. And so to me, just because I am like a weirdo person, I really connect to the moon because it's that like sense of otherness, that sense of queering your life, that sense of stepping into the shadow and another way of viewing things and mystery above all. Mm, yeah, I love that. So I love I love the moon. I love queering my life. Yeah, girl. Well, it's pretty fucking queer. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So our last question comes to us from House of the Rhino. What up, House of Rhino? Hey. Uh, what's the strangest way that you've received a message or guidance? Mm. <laughs> I know. I brought. I positioned this to you earlier, and you said I have so many. I mean, what comes to mind? Well, I just always talk about like following the breadcrumbs, right? Like following the breadcrumbs means you're paying attention to the symbolic language that's building in your own life and figuring out how you uh, are being communicated with all the time. So that's, it can get strange as fuck because messages are coming from any which way. I mean, just for example, Whenever I perform power animal retrieval for somebody, which is essentially retrieving a power animal guardian spirit for them, I say, usually within 72 hours, you're going to see this animal somewhere. And that is the spirit of that animal coming forth to assert and confirm that, yes, they are working with you and they are going to try to move through the veil. So just the experiences I have had in my own personal life with seeing certain power animals that are quite unusual and then seeing them in a place that you wouldn't expect. And it's so specific and you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and that's, I'm not going to get into specifics about that because that's my own personal shit. Um, but I just think that when you start to open up to messages, it's always pretty strange. Yeah. One that just comes to mind that I'll say is the, how I, I was living in New York and I came back to LA to visit family and friends. And while I was in LA, I, for the first time, even when I lived in LA growing up, I didn't really love it. I couldn't wait to leave it actually. 
And so then I left, went to San Francisco, moved to New York, thought I'd live in New York forever, but came back to LA and for the first time loved it and just kept feeling like every experience was, was telling me to come to LA. And so I flew back to New York and I remember I took a red eye and landed really early in the morning. And as I was taking this cab over the bridge back to Manhattan from the airport, I was just like staring out at like the morning sky. And I just remember closing my eyes and I was like, all right, you know, guides, angels, like God, if I am supposed to move back to LA, just tell me, show me, give me some just clear sign that I no longer have a home in New York. And I get back to my apartment and my roommate's just waking up as I'm there. And she's like, hey, how you doing? Small talk, small talk. And she's like, you know what? I had something happen while you were gone and I didn't want to call you. I wanted you to enjoy your trip. Uh, but now that you're back and to tell you, I, they sold our building and I sold this place and we have to move out in three weeks. And I shot up <laughs> and started jumping up and down on the bed. And she was like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, I got my sign. I'm moving to LA. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad you took this so well. I was really nervous that you were going to be mad. And I was like, no, girl, like, I asked for a sign and this is it. And I'm moving to LA and I feel great. And so that was just like one of those moments where I was like, damn spirit, you worked quick <laughs> and super clear. Thank you. I would have been so pissed at her. <laughs> Honestly, well, then I did have, I went through a week of, well, wait, I don't want to leave New York. I love it here. And then there was a whole thing where... I was a little mad and why didn't you ask me? But she lived there forever and she had the lease was under her name and blah, blah, blah. Got it. So it was her right. It was her right. I had, I was basically living in her living room in the East Village. So she was like, I don't want to, I got it. Like, she's like, I don't want to, she was like 10 years older than me. She's like, I don't want some like 22 year old kid sleeping in my living room anymore. I want to grow up and live my life. I was also just thinking about when we were in Peru. And the ceremony we had by the River Urubamba. Oh, what an amazing moment. And how at the end of the ceremony, when that huge clap of thunder just came out of like a crystal clear blue sky without a single cloud in it. Oh my God, yeah. And the shaman just like started clapping his hands. Yeah, I was like, that's a very good sign. <laughs> yeah. And we were he like, like... screamed for joy. And we both were looking at each other like, is there like some man in a tree with like a thunder sound making box like it was just so yeah it seemed way too easy it was unbelievable but no we were in like the middle of a wide open space yeah it was the sky and honestly that was i think the moment that that ceremony in my opinion really gave birth to this podcast it gave birth to us as like a healer couple moving through the world yeah which is why you know you always see that photo of us staring out of machu picchu because that was trip. only a couple days later. Yeah, it was so profound for us. And and then I got so sick, I thought I was going to die. Oh my God, yeah, you literally went through like an initiation. I know. <laughs> I've, been through, I've been through so many initiations. It's, whoo, child. All right, so that was the spiritual case mailbag. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dipping in. Uh, we have a really beautiful 
very Libra-inspired deep dive today. We're going to get back into our astrology. But yeah, I'm going to inspire us to get into a conversation about Venus. I'm your Venus. I'm your fire, your desire. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, who, as Brandon mentioned, yeah, very Libra, because Venus uh, rules the sign of Libra, as well as my rising sign, Taurus. Yes. I know we're all so gorgeous. It's so hard. So beautiful. Oh, all right, so put on your scuba suits, because here's this episode's Deep Dive. So yes, today we are going to talk all about Venus, goddess of love, beauty, and gorgeousness. Venus, Jupiter. <laughs> Take me to your planet, right? Take me to your Venus. Take me to your leader. Oh yeah, take me to your leader. All right, it's, it's been a long time since we've listened to that. I guess, <laughs> clearly, but uh, yeah, Venus is again, yeah, the planet that rules love art. And I actually was uh, reading this fun book called Making the Gods Work for You by Carolyn Casey. It was actually recommended to me by Anne Orderly, who we mentioned like 13 times every episode. Yeah, because we're obsessed with her. She's yeah. an amazing astrologer. Uh, yeah, but we talked about this book uh, in my last reading. I never read it before, so I've been uh, reading it. And I just love the way that she summarized Venus. So I was just going to read it. Read it. So Venus is the invisible force of attraction, love, kinship, art, and relationship. Mm. Venus strings these ideas together to suggest that the artist is the truly related person. Venus doesn't have hobbies. She has passions. Oh, girl. And she reminds us to honor our individual affinities. Those people, colors, tastes, animals, art forms, and interests to which we are drawn. Our attractions are our primary clues as to how we can make a unique contribution to this world. Beautiful. Yeah. So I love that because when I think of Venus, you know, obviously there is sort of the general sense of it's relationships, how we relate to other people. I always say initially in a reading with someone that when looking at their Venus placement that, okay, this is how you love others. If the moon is really how we express love to ourselves. Venus is how we express love to others. But obviously it does go much deeper than that. It it does really go into this sense of attraction mm. and what we're attracted to mm. and how we can express that. Right. And there is a lot in there around art is always brought up. And I was looking at the myth of Aphrodite, who is the goddess that Venus represents. And I yeah. feel like you got like the more clear version of the myth, but I thought it was really interesting. What were the exact details again? So it was Saturn mm -hmm. who was the son of Uranus and cuts off Uranus's genitals Ooh. and the genitals fall into the ocean. And it's that that creates Venus. So if you look at Uranus as kind of like the ultimate sky god, like kind of like big daddy god, the way you might even like consider an organized traditional religion. Mm -hmm. uh, Saturn cutting off his genitals takes us from chaos to all of a sudden the beginning of recorded time. Mm, so right. it's like all of a sudden we go from this kind of like formless chaotic void. It's almost like the big bang in a way. It's like now we're getting the beginnings of formation. We're coming into 
ordinary time, as it were. And Venus becomes this divine feminine counterpart to Saturn's now sort of rigid and organized responsible structure. Which is then funny because, you know, here was Saturn trying to just instill order. Yeah. Who's like, you know what, Dad? Like, the way you've been doing it is totally not okay. It's yeah. a fucking mess. Yeah, because Uranus is all about chaos and right. surprise. And, and creativity and just think of like the cosmic energies at play without any sort of structure, form, or time. Well, and that's why I thought it was really interesting because I do really believe that Uranus rules creativity because it's inspiration. Yeah, totally. And so to th imagine that Saturn was trying to diminish that type of energy and then gave birth to essentially what is the goddess who rules creativity into form. Right. So here we now have all of these expressions of creativity, but in like tangible ways to enjoy them and to uh, then also create them for yourselves. So that's, I think, really uh, what's interesting too about Venus is that there is so much connection there to our, your artistic nature, you know, how you... Uh, begin to create and 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 again, what sort of creations you are attracted to as well. Now, of course, yes, I think there's always going to be the relationship factor when it comes to Venus. Well, also, aren't relationships an art in and of themselves? Girl, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> well, because to me, art means that there is no way. Mm -hmm. There's only your way, and art means intuitively feeling what's moving forward. So that's the difference between art and craft. And there is craft in art. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's craft in relationship. But at the end of the day, how relationships happen is going to be, there are as many different types of relationships as there are people. Yeah. You know? So it's an art to tend it. And even we can say like what our relationship needed in like the first three years is not what it needed in the second three years or like these last three years, you know? Right. Like it yeah. continues to evolve and the art of relationship is being able to almost on like a moment-to-moment -moment basis, feel into what the other needs and how you're going to compromise and how you're going to continue to artfully meld with each other. Yeah. And that feels very Venusian to me, right? Like that's a beautiful flow. It can't be Saturnian all the time. It can't be like rigid. Like, you know, relationships aren't ever going to be 50-50. No. And so if you're trying to get at it from like a Saturnian point of view, like, well, I paid for 50% of the groceries, you got to pay for 50% of the groceries, like you are always just going to be in trouble because we will all end up doing a little bit more in the realms that we are just Venusianly attracted to. Uh-huh. I'm always going to cook more. Yep. You know, like you're always going to clean the house more. Like these are just things in which we go. So like, if I'm always looking for you to cook 50% of the time, I'm always going to be disappointed and upset. Well, that was the first six years of our relationship. <laughs> yeah, I learned. <laughs> and you learned, you know? Like, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, you learn the role you play. Yeah. So really, your Venus sign and placement is the way into understanding how you approach the art of relationships. And not just relationships with people, but maybe mm -hmm. relationships with your art. Yeah, relationships with with beauty, you know, relationships with... Your creativity. Your creativity. And I believe, really most importantly, your relationship to the divine feminine and how you connect yourself to uh, your feminine source mm. and, and then express it out to others. 
So especially important for those of you listening who might find yourself expressing more from a masculine perspective, how is your Venus placement a tool for understanding on how to infuse more of your feminine self in? And that doesn't necessarily mean like, oh yeah, I got to like put on makeup. Like it's not like the general basis. Cause I think sometimes Venus can sometimes feel even when we hear beauty, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I got to like put on some mascara. Like it's not just right. that it's your own personal expression of what's beautiful. Think and- about Tim Burton. Tim Burton thought creepy shit is beautiful and made it beautiful and made it beautiful. Mm-hmm. So everything is beautiful. Yes. We don't have to get caught up in like, there's only one type of beauty. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's been our societal problem yeah. for so long is that we've all been brainwashed to this subscription of beauty and there being a very fine way of viewing it. And what's so exciting is that I think we have entered into a new phase of, you know, it's still slow, I think. But, but a slow expansion of the container of beauty. Yeah. So I think it's really exciting for everyone to be getting more in touch with how do I express my beauty? And what does my beauty mean to me? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just share personally, you know, I have Venus conjunct Mars in my birth chart. Mm-hmm. The two of them sit right next to each other. And if we think of Mars as the planet of like action and vitality and ambition, to me, there's something really beautiful in like taking action. Like when I get to take action in any way, shape or form, there's like a real beauty in that. And in my one-on-one relationships, I'm generally somebody that's like initiating actions being taken. That's true. So it's just interesting to look at your Venus and we're going to go through all the houses. So get ready for that. But it might be interesting for you, too, to be like, oh, what other planets might be near your Venus? I have Venus and Mercury conjunct. Oh. Yeah. They're two degrees apart. So a beautiful mind. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I guess I really do relate. Well, shit. I was just about to say something that then, like, it hit me hard. But, yeah, I really do relate to myself through the thoughts I keep. Mmm, child. Girl. Make sure they're beautiful. I mean, sometimes they're not, and that's when I'm not feeling good. Yeah, totally. I think it is interesting to look at if you have other planets at play yeah. with your Venus, how are they helping to tell your story? All right, let's go through the houses. So, well, Venus in the first house, or we'll also tack on Venus in Aries since uh, it, it can have some similarities, obviously. Right. But so like Angel and I, we both have Venus in Aries. Yes, but I have mine in the 12th house. And I have mine in the first house. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll touch on mine at the end of the road. Because, you know, on the surface, yeah, Venus in the first house means, you know, that you on some level have a real strong connection to the need to love yourself. That to, in order to love others, you must first really master that relationship with you. Yeah, and also that your relationship with others on a low vibe is all about yourself. Yes. But on a high vibe is recognizing that we are all mirrors for each other. Yeah, exactly. Well, and really also, too, having a strong level of self-worth, that that is your real relationship. Yeah, and I think we also just have to say that like the first house is the house of like how you present in the world. So to have Venus in the first house or in Aries means that like you're going to be a little vain or you're going to be like a little preoccupied with like how you put yourself together before you step out of the 
the house in the morning. Yeah, it's making sure not to get too caught up in those details. But also doing what you need to do in order to honor the divine feminine and the beauty. I think about Harriet when she came. Mm -hmm. She said, it's the goddess that tells me to put makeup on my face. Right. So there's something to that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I think it can get a little low vibe. Right. If you (laughs) get caught up in those details of, I'm just going to sit here all day. Because then if it's not perfection then you can drag yourself down totally uh, and not feel your best self when really you are just exuding beauty regardless because you have a Venus in the fucking first house. You're just gorgeous. Fuck you. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) But you are. I mean, that's why you can just like throw on a t-shirt and shorts and like some cute socks and shoes and go out in the day and you look like you put together an outfit. It's really all about accessories, you know? <laughs> if the accessories are put together, y'all, nobody really is paying attention yeah, to anything else. Brandon's course in the first Venus yeah, in the first Venus house. Yeah, Venus in the living. first house, yeah. Always have your nails done. Make sure your earrings are on point. <laughs> Don't let your eye of a browse get too overgrown. That's pretty much all you yeah. need to know. But yeah, I think there is something to just like, you know, loving yourself through making yourself your own artistic creation, you know? Whoa, that resonates. Yeah. Yeah, so you have Venus in Aries in the first house, so it's mm-hmm. like full on there. So what else would you say about Venus in Aries? Well, we talked a little bit about like leadership and innovation. Mm-hmm. So also like wanting to innovate and lead in relationships. Right. Like my most favorite relationships are the ones I have with people who are interested in like changing things up and who have that, even if they're not Aries, because I don't actually have a lot of Aries I mean, I have some Aries friends, but not a lot of Aries friends, but people that are like willing to go like ride or die, like down for the adventure, you know, like that's very Venus and Aries to me. Yeah. There is something too about really being able to allow yourself to fully explore both your masculine and your feminine. And how do I engage in the relationship with both of them in a way that really honors them both? Yeah, Venus and Aries, she wears the pants, yo. Like, they might be gorgeous, flowy pants, but she's wearing pants. (laughs) Yeah, but she also can, like, put on a dress and still feel like the biggest boss bee in the room. And I think that's the important part, too, is regardless of whether you're having to physically accessorize in a masculine format, if you choose to express in a more traditional feminine way, you're still in touch with that, what would be considered masculine force of energy as well. Yeah. We're just talking about power. Yeah. That is it. Exactly. Yeah. Because masculine and feminine gets so fucking complicated because we're not talking about genitalia and we're not talking about your biology. Right. We're just really speaking to like yin and yang energy, right? Like passive and active, receiving and giving. Right. You know? So yeah, I think all of that bundles up into Venus and Aries and Venus in the first. Yeah, she's a power bottom. (laughs) Moving right along. Uh, So Venus in the second house. Well, you know, first off, she loves herself through her money. Yeah, and through her things. Through her things. Honey, she loves to shop. Yeah, she loves to express, though, too, on some level, and, you know, through giving gifts to others and expressing through that by showing you know showing others that there's care there by you know presenting a thing a something that represents the love that's inside and i think too because you do have just like venus again how we love each other you know there is something too about trying to inspire others in their self-worth 
because you know second house does rule that self-worth self-value so if you express that that way you're expressing through others and like how do i give that to you how do i hype you up so venus in the second house people can be you know really beautifully in service of helping others to feel better about themselves they can raise a frequency in a room for other people in doing that right so they're taking care of themselves through others yeah kind of the opposite of a venus and aries in a way which is taking care of others through the self right exactly yeah yeah there's there's sense and i mean obviously that becomes even more like Libra, but it's because, you know, Venus is somewhat at home in the second house. It's ruled by Taurus. Yeah, she loves it there. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm going to lay on this settee. I'm going to lie in this gorgeous gown. I'm going to drink this really expensive rosé champagne. And right, I'm going to exactly. have some friends over. Yeah. And to play like... in my jewels. <laughs> that sounds fun. I know. <laughs> um but yeah, and then of course, you know, we always have to talk about the low vibe. But yeah, if you do get too caught up in the materialistic element, then you're dragging yourself down into debt. <laughs> yeah. Really... Or you're like only dating men that have money as opposed to like dating men that like really light you up. Totally. Yeah. So it's really important to understand that you're not like acting out in that way in your relationships. And that's, again, like the more low vibe version of it is, yeah, I'm going to love you for what you got, for what you can give me. Yeah, look, anything anything in the second house or in Taurus can be low-vibe materialism or high-vibe true worth. So you just got to make mm-hmm. sure that you're not deriving your true worth from the things that you have. Yeah. But yeah. you can enjoy them. Exactly, yeah. Like, you can get a Gucci belt and be like... This, this is the best is... belt. This is the best leather. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Enjoy it. <laughs> Everyone look at it. But if that's... All you have all... going for you... Yeah, if that's literally all you're going to talk about, then yeah. And I was like, do I get the brown one or do I get the black one? And then I was like, what if I got both? And then everyone's asleep. All right. Venus and Gemini or the third house. Yeah. Venus in the third house. Well, it's loving others through communication. She's a chatty queen. You know, really wants to get into asking those questions and getting some answers. You know, wants to understand people um, and also wants to understand herself through that communication process with another, you know, that's also like a great placement for a writer, a public speaker or a therapist or a therapist, someone who's out there trying to help elevate others through words, um, through speaking for others, a singer probably has a good, you know, or could have a Venus third house placement. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyone, yeah, who uses their voice to beautify a space, Also probably just like good, sexy voices. Yeah. And then of course, Venus in Gemini. I mean, it's all, I think, like pretty similar vibes to that. Yeah. The only difference would be that Gemini, because it's all about duality, Venus in Gemini specifically could be a little bit of like this or that, either or. Mm -hmm. Like there's this, um, I don't know, kind of like forked path in how you relate to people sometimes or a forked path in terms of how you honor your own like sacred feminine energies because because gemini is the forked path it could go this way or it could go that way yeah you could basically be like camille grammar and talk about out of both sides of your mouth oh shit low vibe (laughs) so it's being careful that you're not like spreading the gossip Mm -hmm. you know like spilling tea left and right that wasn't yours to even sip to begin with okay venus and gemini yeah so we see you 
You got to be a little careful. But she obviously loves to have a lot of friends because that's that Gemini vibe. It's like, I want to know everybody. I want to be involved in everyone's business. And I want to talk about everybody. So come and talk <laughs> about them to me, please, because I want to hear it. All right. Venus in the fourth house or Venus in Cancer. You love yourself through your environment, through your home space, your connection to home and your connection to family. So Venus and Cancer, obviously a very strong maternal placement, mm-hmm. you know, someone who wants to really take care of others and is relied upon in that way. And you're probably always like, hey, you should just come over. Why don't you come over? <laughs> oh, honey, well, I'll make some lunch and you can come over. Yeah, totally. Relating to people like through your own space. Yeah, Definitely. So if you have the Venus in a fourth house placement, it's important that you really honor your environment, honor your space and communicate that to others that if you, you know, are in an environment, share an environment with someone and they're not really giving that, you have to always state that to them, that this is like a real necessity for me. And it's making sure that you carve out space for yourself wherever you are, whether it's in your work environment or, you know, when you travel, I think, you know, a good, a Venus in the fourth house is someone who should really like take a piece of home with them when they travel and like, you know, make every like hotel room or Airbnb feel a little bit like their own too, you know, to feel comfortable and like always connected to themselves. So Venus in the fifth house or Venus in Leo, which is all about relating through your creativity. Uh, there's something too, I think, about a Venus in the fifth house because the fifth house rules children of a Venus in the fifth house having a real childlike demeanor, mm. you know, wanting to just like play with people. It's important for you to inspire your friends or your partner to like do something fun. Right. <laughs> the need for fun is always there. And I think, you know, the the element of a Venus in Leo that probably you know, comes out more is... That need to be taken care of. They need to be recognized for being the star of the show a little bit. Yeah. So in relationships, you definitely like to be on center stage. But that's fine. Because I once was told that in every relationship, you need somebody who like sits in the middle of the room and somebody who like runs around the edges of it. Uh, Yeah. But I think ideally you want to be able to take turns in that space. So if you have a Venus in Leo, it's just making sure that you aren't always, you know, stepping out of the bed room in the morning, like, welcome, New York, here I am. Or, you know, like you're talking to an audience. Yeah. Uh, that you are uh, giving over to others, too. Yeah. Important for you to pay attention. Yeah, today. just don't make it all about you all the time. Just like 70%. <laughs> totally. But definitely strong artistic placement. Yeah, if for you sure. Have a Venus in the fifth house, someone who can really express through their creativity. Yeah. And I think interesting, too, if you think about how you connect to your divine feminine, it's through art, through play, through a creativity that you can access that divine feminine for yourself. Through expressing it. Yeah. So, you know, if you are feeling like a need for sensitivity or vulnerability in your life, like turn on some music you love and just like dance around your house, you know, or go out dancing and really put on a show. And just like buy a lot of animal print. Sure. I (laughs) I don't know why. It feels very Venus and Leo to me. All right. Venus in the sixth house. Venus in Virgo. Someone who really relates through their day-to-day, you know, through their routine, 
who probably likes a work environment where they can feel at home, where they can feel like uh, they, you know, know everybody and can talk to everyone. It, you know, probably doesn't work well in like a very singular environment or, you know, an environment where everyone's kind of siloed into their own sections, you know, needs to work around people. Also, because the sixth house rules health, fitness, there's a need to relate to others through your health routine, you know, through taking care of yourself, you know, probably loves a good like Pilates class and wanting to relate to others through inspiring them. So probably a lot of even like fitness professionals would have a good like, you know, sixth house life coaches. You know, people who are out there to like on a day to day inspire you to be better. Dietitians, nutritionists, all of that, acupuncturists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like a strong placement for it. Sports medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Got on a roll there. You are on a roll. Uh, And then Venus in Virgo. You know, kind of has like I think a similar element to it. Yeah, but you just want to be careful that like you don't get hung up on the idea that there's a right way to have a relationship. Like I think Venus and Virgo could be like, well, if we don't do it my way, we're not doing it. And you have to be careful that there are many ways to have relationship and you want to have strong boundaries and let people know how you need to be treated, but also respect that other people might have different needs. Yeah, true. And I think another piece of that is because Virgo is a healer spot, don't go in your relationships as a healer, mm-hmm. you know, looking, like to, looking f- to fix and men. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can go in there and have like create a healing environment while you're talking to your partner, but you're not there to solve them. Totally. Oh, Venus and Virgo. Yeah. Like if you play the therapist in all your relationships and you're getting paid for it, like you in danger, girl. Yeah. I used to do that a lot when I was younger. Oh, really? Yeah. Just therapy or just partners? Like free, yeah, just like free. No, not my romantic partners, but like oh. all my friends, I would just like give free therapy. <laughs> Which is like really a waste of time if you're not getting paid, especially when they like don't take your advice. And then you're like, well, this was, why did I bother? Okay, Venus in Libra. So Libra, we're in Libra right now. She's in Libra right mm-hmm. now. So we're feeling this energy as we record this podcast. Venus loves to be in Libra. She rules this sign. It's everything that Venus is like times two, essentially. Like Venus and Libra is the beautification of relationships. Venus and Libra is the beauty of balance and justice and partnership and fairness and justice and exchange. And so this placement is on one level about people who like find beauty in fighting the good fight, in creating opportunities for justice in the world. And also it's about like art and culture and gravitating towards the beautiful things in life, not just because they sparkle, Taurus, but because they have an inherent elegance to them that evokes the the elegant spirit of the divine feminine. So I would say, particularly if you have Venus in the seventh house, it's taking all of those aspects and working through them in your relationships. You know, it's loving yourself through the relationships that you keep and exhibiting all of those traits, you know, the fairness, the the justice, all of those things, the balance through those close relationships. So really needing to express yourself through the company that you keep. So 
very important, honestly, not only if you just have Venus in Libra, but for everyone right now, since as Brandon mentioned, Venus is in Libra right now, to pay close attention to the company that you keep and who's showing up for you, who gives you uh, an opportunity to shine light on your own inner beauty and who dims that light for you and making sure that you turn away from the those relationships that do create some darkness for you. Now, obviously, not every relationship is just going to be wine and roses, um, but you know the difference between cha- a challenging relationship that is pushing you toward growth and a challenging relationship that is stunting your growth. So very important when you have that Venus Libra because, you know, Libras want to keep the peace. You know, it's very easy for a Libra to just kind of be a little wishy-washy and say whatever you want, honey. So it's important when you have that Venus in Libra not to just sort of give the reins over to other people, you know, to to just fall into people-pleasing mode, but instead to really assert yourself when necessary and do what's best for you. So again, right now, important for everyone to be paying attention to that. Don't just say whatever you like, honey, if you have a really firm idea of what you feel you want and you need for yourself. Preach. Uh, Venus in the eighth house or Scorpio. Ooh, you feisty little creature. Speaking of the darkness. Honey. She likes it a little dark. Yeah, she does. She (laughs) likes the whips and chains. (laughs) She likes her nails a little long, so when she scratches, she draws blood. Yeah, she's a little harsh. Yeah. But not in a nasty way. No. She likes the depths. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, really? But what do you really mean? Yeah. And she also likes the truth at all costs. Complete. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I mean by, you know, what do you really mean? What are you really getting at? Yeah. You know, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, because Venus and Libra can be a little bit like, sure, let's talk about, oh, yeah, oh, you bought that? Oh, that's cute. Oh, yeah, oh, I read that too. But then when a Venus and Scorpio shows up, she's like, bitch, none of this is interesting. She's like, what's really going on? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get that bruise? Yeah. Oh, that that got real dark. Sorry. No, that's Venus and Scorpio. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Also, be careful in your relationships, Venus and Scorpio, that it becomes all or nothing. You know, like it can mm-hmm. be very obsessive, kind of like, well, if you don't call me every day, how do I know that you care? And it's like, well, because you just trust that they care. Like you got to temper yourself a little bit. Yeah. So there can be an obsessive quality with relationships with Venus and Libra. Mm-hmm. And even it could just be like you, you know, like if you're dating or whatever, like just know like you have a tendency towards the obsessive. So you got to really work your earth to ground all that water yeah totally so get in your body you know get outside you can you know it's been a day and a half and he hasn't called (laughs) fuck him you know like okay calm down maybe like maybe a day and a half boo yeah (laughs) but i do think yeah it's important to temper that uh because it's a passionate sign yeah and it's an amazing to have a relationship with somebody who has Venus in Scorpio is also kind of that ride or die placement, like loyalty and like they will Thelma and Louise with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they might not always give you like the sweetest delivery. There could be some tough love there, but it's all coming from a place of deep love. Yeah. So I think if you have a Venus in Scorpio placement, you know, Sometimes you can probably read things about yourself and be like, oh God, I'm doomed. But you're really not. I mean, you're passionate. You 
like Brandon said, you know, you can be really committed to people. You can be an amazing partner, an amazing friend, um, you know, someone who is really trusting. Uh, but, you know, when you get cut a couple times, you can be real vindictive and a little mean. So it's just tempering that and making sure that you're aware of those aspects of yourself. Um, because, you know, another element too, because Scorpio likes to be a little hidden sometimes, you can also be a bit of a loner with that Venus in Scorpio. There can be a sense of like, nobody gets me, you know, because no one's thinking about things on the deep level that I am. So it's making sure that you're finding the right people to connect with the people who do really understand you, you know, like I almost picture like the kid on the playground who's upset because no one wants to be their friend when, you know, if only that kid could understand that like, well, just none of these people are at your level, honey. Like they're just not right for you. And you're going to find those right people just suffer through this, this semester oh, and next year is going to be great. I was you know? that kid. On the I playground. know. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think at some point we were, we've all been that kid. So Venus in the ninth house or Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Uh, so Venus in the ninth, I mean, loves, you know, it shows love through learning, through growth, through expansion, through travel, through going out into the world and like understanding it on a philosophical level, you know, like Venus in the ninth house. It's I want to show you I love you by helping you understand where I'm coming from, you know, to, and to understand where you're coming from as well. Like, I want to understand that culture. I want to understand your language. Like, there's a real, like, interest in other people. You probably really do. I mentioned travel, but you probably have a real affinity for that and want to dive into it. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be like travel like you're getting on a plane or right. you're going somewhere, but like traveling through books or through documentaries, traveling into other cultures, traveling into the past. It's about really wanting to like understand universal truths and understanding the universal truths in others. Like what is the principle that we can all kind of find ourselves in the flow of? Yeah. So if you have Venus and Sag, really important that you follow those breadcrumbs when you get excited about something yeah. of interest to really pursue it because it's leading you towards something interesting. And Venus and Sag, I mean, all of those things are relevant. And then of course you, you just love to have a good time. You love, you love a party. Yes. <laughs> and you love to bring people along for the ride. Yeah, totally. You know, so a real sort of like fun person to bring on a trip. Yeah. <laughs> so Venus through Sag. Or just like a fun person to have on a Saturday night because you know there's going to be like three parties she's got to get to. Totally. <laughs> and and maybe only one of them will be bad. But then she'll want to leave right away. Yeah. She'll be like, oh, okay. Hi. Oh, thanks for having us. Oh, we have to go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Venus in the 10th or Capricorn? Yes. Venus in Capricorn or the 10th house. Yeah. So Venus in the 10th house is really loving yourself through following your larger career pursuit. Yes. You know, like what's that great dream that you want to accomplish? Someone who can be very ambitious and, you know, loves others by inspiring their ambition. Yeah. The beauty of big goals. But also we might want to be careful in terms of relationship that we're not just like looking at people in relationship in terms of like what they can do for us or how they can help us achieve our dreams. Mm -hmm. So there can be a little bit of user strategy <laughs> that you want to be aware of 
and that your relationships are not strategic, they're heart-centered because a heart-centered relationship will always be able to, I mean, look, it works in your benefit to just follow your heart because your heart-centered relationships will always be able to do more for you anyways than the ones. I remember like I was a very, very, very long time ago friends with this woman who I like thought was gonna be able to do something for me professionally. And I just like had a total blind eye to the fact that like, I really didn't like this person at all. (laughs) And like two years down the road, I was like, what am I doing? Like I've invested so much time and energy into this relationship, even though I didn't really enjoy what this relationship brought out of me just because I like wanted this like imaginary thing. I thought she might be able to do for me in the future. Like what a waste of time that truly turned out to be, but also a valuable lesson. So Venus and Capricorn, Venus in the 10th house, just watch out for that because the truth is, is that your relationships can also be a part of the bigger team that you're using to build the house on the top of the hill that you all get to live in together. Mm A hundred percent. Yeah. Really important to pay attention to who is helping you manifest your, your vision for yourself and understanding that you can't do it alone. You know, if you've got a lot of Aries in you, but you got Venus in the 10th house, you're going to try really hard to do it all by yourself. But you're you going to need help? Yeah, you have to understand that I need someone else. I need this support system. And you won't have a hard time getting it. And that, I think, is the thing, to give over to that, that I have people who are on my side. You just have to be willing to receive them. And like you said, Brandon, like you know, make sure that they're the right people to bring along with you, you know? Yeah. I also think we could look at Venus as like where people see beauty in you. Mm. So people will think of your ambition as beautiful. Like people will be struck by the beauty and elegance of your big picture dreams and goals. Yeah. No, I love that. And just remember too, like Venus is, you know, again, connected to that divine feminine. There's intuition there. So if you're struggling with well, what is my large career plan? So important to tap into your in, intuitive self and really allow yourself to ask that question and get the response from your spirit self, your soul. And if your soul's like, well, I want to be a makeup artist and you're working three jobs and don't understand, like you have to, f- and, and tell yourself, well, that's not a reality that's possible for me. You have to find ways to take the steps toward it and trust your intuitive self and trust that that is, you know, where you need to go, even if your mind is telling you it's not possible. Yeah. Cause Capricorn is one of the more spiritual of the science. It's just mm-hmm. not understood to be that way takes the depths of Scorpio and it brings it all the way up to the mountaintop where people can all benefit from it. Totally. All right, Venus in the 11th house or Aquarius. Aquarius. So Venus in the 11th house, I mean, I think you can't help but to sing it. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Venus in Aquarius. I mean, you love yourself through your connection to the world, through trying to make this world a better place. You know, such a strong humanitarian placement. But also, girl, you have so many friends, it's probably difficult (laughs) to keep track of them. That's very true. Because the 11th house is all about like your wider web, your community, your, you know, relationships, not just like with your mom and your girlfriend, but your relationships with like everybody you know. Yeah, you're on some sort of community board or a board of something somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely not bored. If you got that Venus in Aquarius or Venus in the 11th house. Uh, So very important to honor that and honor that need to connect to something, you know, in this physical world that is greater than you and and trying to inspire others to want to do that as well. Yeah. And I think you can also 
connect to people through your dreams for the future. Mm-hmm. And people will see the beauty in your innovation and your desire to change things and move things forwards. Because Aquarius is about the future. Yeah. And so in the same way that like a Venus and Capricorn, people will see the beauty of your ambition. In Aquarius, it's people will see the beauty of your dreams. And so if Scorpio wants to talk about the depths, Aquarius, Venus, and Aquarius wants to talk about like the future. What did you dream about last night? Where are we going? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And inspiring the collective to come on board that journey. Yeah. So I feel like though not obvious, a probably really good leadership position. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Venus in the 12th house, Venus in Pisces. Oh, honey, talk about this. You've got it. I do have Venus in the 12th house. So. In Aries, though, not Pisces. Yeah, it is in Aries. So to have Venus in the 12th house, you love others through your connection with spirit and through really like inspiring others to have connection with spirit, to want to relate to people on a spiritual level. Yeah, also psychic as fuck. So like sometimes if you have Venus in the 12th house, you're like relating to people psychically and intuitively, even if that's not what they're giving you in terms of their like words, you know, like they might be like, oh my gosh, and I did this, and I did this. And you're like, okay, but what's wrong, honey? Yeah. I mean, us Venus in the 12th house people, we're really good at reading between the lines and walking into a room and understanding what's going on. And even if people don't want to talk about the truth, we still receive the truth and move, you know, accordingly through that relationship. Yeah. Uh, with that in mind. So really important to just know, know that, that about yourself. Yeah. That you are super sensitive, very empathic, mm-hmm. picking up other people's feelings and thoughts and sensations. Yeah. So it's important for us to have boundaries and to establish those in ways that we don't just take on other people's traits. And that's honestly something that I have noticed for about myself forever. And I still do it and I still combat it. I will get to places where I recognize that, oh, wow, I have just taken on that person's language or that person's way of being. Or, you know, I used to do it a lot when I was in college. I had a couple friends who I just found myself fully trying to almost like emulate, you know, like I would just get their haircut. Like I would just do things that like, because I felt I was like relating to myself through them, you know, as opposed to relating to them through being myself. So it can get like really muddy. So it, it can be a challenging place to like assert your own sense of self. So really important to have boundaries, cut the cords of other people. Um, but yeah, it can also be a really beautiful intuitive space. Uh, so can be really good healers in that regard for other people um, and not in that Virgo way where we're just doing it, (laughs) you know, uh, like making sure that you're getting paid for it as well. But yeah, super sensitive, um, but you can do it. I think we've come to the end of this section. We have. So we hope you enjoyed our little talk through Venus. And if you have questions that we didn't cover, please feel free to shoot them out to us. Yeah, but please continue to take Libra season to explore your divine feminine and how she wants to express herself out in the world through these particular placements, but also in any other intuitive ways that come to you as we move through this sign of beauty and art and culture and justice. Yeah, girl, dance. Now it's time for our tarot card of the episode, which we're very excited about. So just take a moment and connect to the cards just by listening to them being shuffled. We're using a really magical deck today. 
This is Rachel Pollock's deck called the Shining Tribe Tarot. And just know that this message will resonate for you no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this podcast. This is the message you need to hear right now. All right, Angel is going to pick the card for us today. All right, I did it. So Angel picked for us in this deck what's called the Four of Rivers. And that is what we would traditionally call the Four of Cups. Mm. So fours in the tarot are foundations because four is when we get that first sense of completion. We think about the four directions or the four elements or the four seasons. It's not something that we created. It's just like four gives us a sense of completion, even like the four limbs of the human body, or you think of our like four-legged animal brothers and sisters who are close to the ground. So when we pull a four, we know we're being spoken to, to look at our foundation in the realm of the suit and in rivers or cups, it's about the realm of the heart. So it's about emotion. It's also about creativity and relationships. It's very Venusian in a lot of ways. We could think that Venus is very connected to the suit of cups or rivers. And so this is about a new emotional foundation or maybe even a new creative foundation. But it also has a lot to do with sobriety. And I don't necessarily mean like sobriety, like you stop drinking, but I mean sobering up from the things that you have become desensitized to. And the Four of Cups, we're actually being asked to step out of the river for a moment so that we can cleanse ourselves, so that we can become more sensitive to the river when we're in it. So there's this sense of taking a couple of moments, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and to really give yourself permission to sober up from the drama, to sober up from the excitement, to sober up from whatever it is that's happening in your heart that you have stopped being able to feel the connection to. It's basically like coffee. Like if you drink coffee every day, you're going to need more and more coffee to feel that caffeine high and you become desensitized to it. So the four of rivers is when we go, okay, I need to get my sensitivities back online. I need to be able to really feel the truth of what's going on in my life. And that gives us permission to create a new emotional foundation. So just think about what in my life have I become desensitized to and how can I step out of it so that I can kind of clean myself, give myself the grounding that I need, and then come back into it from a place of really feeling it. It's almost like if you've been working on a script for too long and you've become desensitized to it and you need to take a week or two away from it so you can come back at it with fresh eyes. Sometimes that's true for relationships, for work, for anything. If we're in it too long, I always think about uh, Project Runway with Chris March and he made all those outfits out of human hair and Tim Gunn came to look at them and he was like, have you familiar with the expression of the monkey house? And he was like, no, he's like, well, you know, like when you first walk into the monkey house, you're like, wow, it really smells like shit in here. But then if once you've spent some time in the monkey house, you don't smell it anymore and you think it's okay. So this card kind of speaks to that. It's like, you've been in the monkey house for a little too long. You're no longer smelling the shit and you need to step out of the monkey house so that you can smell the shit again when you step in there and go, oh, this is fertilizer or, oh, this is not okay. Oh, that's beautiful. And RIP Chris March. Oh, did he pass? He did, yeah. I didn't know that. He did recently. Well, to the spirit of Chris March, you were very loved. And we are so grateful for your contribution. Yeah, seriously. Let's dedicate this episode to him. Yes. We just did it. We did. That was beautiful. That card is actually the Cancer Moon card in my deck. Oh, totally. Makes perfect sense. So sensitive. Get sensitive. Yeah, just be in touch with all of it. Mm -hmm. The feelings. I love that. Thank you. 
Um, all right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, as always, if you have questions for us, you can hit us up at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at thespiritualgaze or on Twitter at spiritualgaze. And sign up for the Spiritual Gaze newsletter, which goes out once a month. Uh, with taroscopes for the new moon and more information about whatever it is we're cooking up here in the spiritual gaze kitchen. And we just want to thank all of you for listening, for opening up your hearts and your minds and your third eyes uh, to Angel and Noche and I. Also, a big thank you to Juan Diego for making sure we sound so beautiful, to Justin Simeon for the interstitial musics that keep on delivering the beats. Yes. And until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.